Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRN AM for Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Blake Briggs is the Chief Executive Officer for the Financial Services Council. Blake, it is great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you for having me on the show, Jeffrey. Yeah, it's a, the, I, I'm look, as I told you off camera or before we started, we're absolutely fascinated with taking the best and learning from other retirement systems. And the Australia system is one that is, you know, the superannuation funds. People hold them, them in very high regard. Uh, the FSC recently did a survey and the survey and I'm paraphrasing here, I want to get into it, basically said that individuals want to have control over their retirement savings. But why don't you give us a little bit more detail? Tell us about the perspective of the of Australians when it comes to their retirement savings. Yeah, very happy to. So in Australia, we've got this extraordinarily successful pension system. Now, it's not dissimilar to the 401k system in the US, but it is universal in that if you have an employment in Australia, you have a pension uh, plan called a superannuation fund here, and 12% in in a year's time, will be going up to 12% of your salary is contributed into this pension plan. Um, And that means we have a three and a half trillion dollar savings pool covering about the 20 odd million employed Australians. Now, the success of that is with rising markets, allocation to growth and equities, um, the system has grown very strongly. And the average Australian is now retiring with somewhere between $350,000 to $400,000 in savings. So from wow. that perspective, it's done an enormous job lifting standards of living and retirement and will continue to do so. The big the debate that's happening here now, though, is we've done this great job of designing a system that accumulates wealth for retirement, but we don't have the availability of products or the strategies in place to help people when they retire. And we have the same demographic change going on in Australia that you do in the US or Canada, where the baby boomer generation is hitting retirement now, and they need more sophisticated financial products to help them. So that's what our research really started to unpack. And, and it's, it's, it's so coincidental and, and so interesting you know, you, 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 we unpack these issues every day here on the network and what you're describing, the reti- what we call here in the States retirement income, which is that decumulation, you're, you're I wouldn't say struggling, but you're addressing that. And, and, and I think recently um, the treasurer, and I, I don't know if that's a treasurer of Australia, I, I would assume, came out with some ideas around a default. Can you tell us a little bit about a proposal and what that could mean? Yeah, so the, the federal treasurer here, which is not dissimilar to the um, uh, Janet Yellen in, in the UK, the, the secretary of the treasury. Um, so the federal treasury here said, okay, this is a major systemic question about how we um, deaccumulate this large pool of savings. And so they he put out several options. So the treasurer here, Jim Chalmers, put out several options. One of them was for the government to design a mandated product for the Australian market. So when you retire, your fund must offer a product with specific features. Um, Another option was that the fund itself can help guide you. So it can default you into a product unless you choose something else. And the last option is really around the value of financial advice at retirement, particularly when you have larger balances, complex tax arrangements, social security eligibility questions thrown in, 
Um, and so what they're trying to navigate is what is the best design taking into account those various options. Now, the research we did um, specifically went into, okay, what do consumers want in that situation? It's probably not unusual. There can be a disconnect what, between what politicians think is good for people and what the consumer actually wants for themselves. And, and no surprises, that came through really clearly in the research that we did. So what we found was 87%, so the, the vast majority of consumers do not want the government telling them where to put their money in retirement. They want access to affordable advice and information. Um, they want options to be available, but inherently they trust themselves to make decisions about what is best in their retirement and where they should invest the money than have a government default product or a government imposed product. And the other interesting aspect of this as well is there's been a bit of debate where some of the superannuation funds here would like to play a more interventionist role. So they really want you to be able to go to sleep on a Friday night, the day you retire, wake up Monday morning and your pension is all set up for you and you've transitioned seamlessly to the age pension as well as the superannuation income stream. Um, and there's a really strong pushback consumers from consumers about that as well. They actually want around that point that they're making retirement decisions to be engaged with their fund and have it provide them information, but they don't want the decisions to be made for them. And so that's a really interesting sentiment that came through very strongly in the research that we did. Yeah, and 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 it's not un it's not indifferent to what we have here in the states. Um, and and I I, I want to just pose back to you, you know, one size fits all sounds good, but Jeffrey Snyder, even though I'm not Australian, I'm American, but Blake Briggs. We're two different people. We might be close in age, but you may have a family. I may not. I may want to work a little bit longer. You may not. So it, that one size fits all approach maybe isn't the best for everyone. And, and so when you're coming up with solutions, you want to be able to provide a, a, a cornucopia, a myriad, if you will, of solutions for people. That's right. It goes to the significance of the financial decisions you're having to make at that point in your life. So you have, you may or may not have a spouse. They may or may not have their own savings at retirement. You probably have your family home as well, which may be the bigger, biggest asset you own. Um, you also then have questions about any tax consequences that arise at retirement, particularly if you're selling shares that are held separately. Uh, then you have questions about your age pension eligibility. So there's here, there's a universal minimum age pension, which is very modest, but then it tapers off depending on how much assets you have privately held. Now, if you think through all those complexities, you really do need financial advice to help you navigate it. The average person should not be expected to be able to navigate that complexity. Um, but a superannuation fund often doesn't know all of those things about you. So they might know how much money you have for the super fund. They may know whether or not you're married, for example, but you don't need to provide them all that information during the course of your life. So they need to collect a lot of information about you in order to decide what the best arrangement would be. And by that point, you're getting to personal advice, which really should be treating every household as unique and having its own financial affairs that need to be navigated. Now, one of the other problems we have here is the financial advice industry went through quite a lot of turmoil over the last 10 years, and there's been quite significant layers of regulation imposed upon it in order to try to, I suppose, get it back onto the straight and narrow. And whilst that's been successful in the, the advice industry here is much more professionalised than it was a decade ago, 
it's also made the cost of advice in Australia very high. So the average financial plan will cost you, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars, and it goes up from there if you've got more complex arrangements. So the vast majority of middle-income consumers can't afford personal advice here. There is a separate piece of work going on in the government in order to try to make financial advice more affordable, but they really need to get that right before they start uh, tackling this retirement problem on top of it. Yeah. Blake, I want to pick this up. Uh, we need to take a very quick break and I want to pick up this conversation. We come back, we're going to talk about some next steps what policymakers in Australia need to be thinking about and more. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Blake Briggs. He's the Chief Executive Officer for the Financial Services Council. Blake, thanks so much for staying with us. Thank you for having so, me on. Yeah, so this is a yeah, real fun conversation, and we certainly appreciate you uh, making some time for us. Uh, so I, th I think we did a great job kind of talking about some of the challenges or things that are, I wouldn't say challenges, things that are being worked through. Um, and there's always different points of view uh, from policymakers. Where do you see this kind of unfolding? Because like you mentioned, we have an aging, you have an aging society in Australia. We have an aging society here in the U.S. These are important solutions. So where do, where do you see, see things going in the next six to 12 months? Yeah, so there, there are a couple of complex policy issues that the government will have to resolve in tandem with the industry that will need to deliver the solutions. Some of the big ones are the, the universal. They're happening all over the Western world. So um, we have longevity risk to manage amongst the retired population. We have uh, a big cohort of baby boomers moving into retirement phase and drawing down their accumulated savings. But we also have these complex things around financial markets are impossible to time. And every every consumer likes to think they'd be able to, but the data always shows that by and large, people make the wrong calls. They, they um, sell at the bottom, they buy at the top. And if you do that in your retirement phase, and you can waste a lot of your accumulated savings. 
So we are going to have to go through this process here of organizing, okay, how do we make financial advice more affordable and how do we get more people access to it around their retirement? But how do we also build out the suite of financial products that can help people navigate their retirement and give them the information they need to choose wisely what's in the best interest in their circumstances? And do, do here in the States, we're dealing with something called financial literacy. Uh, and we just started, you know, we've got 50 states and I think a majority of them, not yet a majority, have financial literacy and tra financial training in high school, uh, maybe and, and a little bit in college. How about in Australia? Is this a big deal? Um, you know, people managing their money, maybe seeking out others with financial advice. And you talked about the reform that went on uh, the last decade or so in Australia. But is this acumen, learning the acumen, getting educated, understanding what's important when you're doing a budget, is that something that Australia is also tackling? It, it is. There's, there's been a similar debate around basic standards of financial literacy for quite some time here. The problem is it's an impossible nut to crack. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, the, the flush of cash that came through all of our economies during COVID stimulus era kind of proved that a lot of people can still make very poor uh, decisions, even if they they have a, a good level of financial literacy. And, you know, you see things like a lot of the crypto um, uh, investments that went on, some of the, the pumping schemes that our, our regulator in Australia took action over, um, as I'm sure also happened in the US. Uh, and then you also have, and you know, these are complex financial products and people, you know, like to try to try their hand at some of these things. Look, in a lot of ways, that's all okay. As long as people are aware of what they're going into and making informed decisions, then they should be allowed to invest and take risks with their money how they choose to do so. I mean, it's their savings. Who are we to prescribe how it should happen? But then it's just that question about how do you improve these base standards of understanding of some of the complex uh, design elements and the risks that people are taking on when they move through it. Now, during your young years, that's probably okay. You've probably got uh, the capacity to wear out losses because you know you have the future potential income to earn later in life. But at retirement, it's, it's a much more serious proposition because if you take unnecessary risk or if you don't understand the decisions that you're taking at that point, you don't have another decade to work or you really don't want to be, right? You want to be spending those years enjoying your life and, and the benefits of your hard work. And uh, that's where some, you know, the information that can be provided by your pension plan, um, government support, if it's appropriate, uh, that's all got a role to play in these scenarios. Yeah, and I, I would like to, you know, when you go and buy a car, I don't need to have, know how the car works, but I, I need to be able to compare it with another car. You know, I need to look at Toyota, compare it with Volkswagen or whatever, whatever car it is to be able to make yeah. my, dis, my, you know, I need, to be, I need to be an informed consumer. It doesn't mean I need to be, the person actually, the mechanic and that level. Although some, having, you know, some people have that level of skill, but for, for most of us, when we buy a car, we want to know, is it going to run? Is it safe? Uh, does it have good gas mileage? Um, is it going to last for many years? And I think yeah. people need to, you know, probably need to be as informed when, when selecting a financial provider or, hey, how are you going to use your retirement savings? Because you don't want to be taking all that money out, that $400,000 that you were talking about on average or, I think it was about that. And then going out and buying, yeah. buying a nice yacht. I mean, that's probably not a good, good, good experience. Well, what, we, what we have here, which I think is a little bit different from the US, is 
there is a very strict fiduciary obligation on financial advisors and other financial services companies to not steer a client towards the products manufactured by their own parent company. And so, in, for example, if you go to you know, financial conglomerate A and you meet with one of their employed advisors, that advisor's obligation is to you as a client to do with what, what is in your best financial interests. And so that obligation means they can't only choose from their own suite of products. They actually have to look at the universe of products and they, they, go, they have you know, processes within the business to sort through what's more likely in different circumstances. But they do have to take into account the wider universe of products when making decisions or helping guide you through that decision making. Um, it's kind of relevant to your, um, your car analogy because if you go into a Holden dealership or a Ford dealership, you expect to be sold a Ford. And so you kind of know that's coming. But if you go into a financial advisor here, you might get sold you know, anything from a, a Vanguard ETF through to an actively managed fund, um, through to an insurance product. And the advisor must be basing that on your personal circumstances. So it's a much more robust framework where consumers can have faith that their best interests are being taken, uh, being put in forefront in that decision making. Well, I hope, I hope members of Congress and the Department of Labor are listening because we're going through a similar debate. I, I'm sure you read uh, you know, the, the papers. We're going through a similar debate here about fiduciary advice and, and the role. Uh, Blake, we're going to have to leave it there. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest? Someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website. Hey, we're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest, of course, an important topic. We always bring you important content. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.